Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Pakistan says it has reached an agreement with the IMF on a $6 billion loan. Jotsna Singh discusses what forced Imran Khan to seek IMF help despite promising not to do so and what the political cost is likely to be for his government with Stephanie Finlay and Farhan Bakari. Stephanie, what are the terms and conditions of the $6 billion package that Pakistan is due to get from the International Monetary Fund? Do we know the details yet? We don't know exactly. The agreement is still to be finalized. We expect that to happen in a couple months, but we expect it will address Pakistan's gaping current account deficit, remove costly energy subsidies, and allow the rupee to float more freely. It's already fallen over 20% in the last year, but there are estimates that it may devalue another 20%. And people are calling this one of the toughest IMF programs that Pakistan has seen because these reforms are expected to be introduced swiftly, which will make it very hard for the average Pakistani who will have to cope with a rise in energy costs and a much weaker rupee. Pakistan had already secured $9.2 billion in bilateral loans from countries such as Saudi Arabia, UAE and China. Why did it have to go to the IMF? Pakistan thought that they could weather the storm. When I was in Islamabad in March, the government had said, yes, they were in talks with the IMF, but previously they thought that they could get bilateral funding and sort of sort the situation out by enacting their own reforms. It became clear that that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough money to address their obligations. And Pakistan also needed the vote of confidence from the IMF that could unlock other funding and attract investors. But um, Imran Khan had once declared he would rather die than beg to IMF. What has his government been telling the people of Pakistan now about the latest deal? Before elections about a year ago, Imran Khan ran his political campaign promising to never go to the IMF for another loan. Now, today, this is something which his opponents are using against him because he's, in their words, taken a U-turn, completely gone back on his promise. So it's not an easy situation politically for the prime minister to handle because it's a matter of record. There are video clips where he stood surrounded by thousands of people in political rallies and promised never to go to the IMF. And today he's doing exactly that because it's a very difficult economic situation in which he has no other options. In the first eight months or nine months of his government, he tried to avoid going to the IMF, tried to get loans from friendly countries such as Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and China. But that has not been sufficient to restore what looks like very weak economic confidence, perhaps the weakest in Pakistan's entire history. The de facto finance minister, who is an advisor to the prime minister, Abdul Hafiz Sheikh, said on record that Pakistan's economic situation of today 
has been fueled by policy failures under the previous government of former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif. So he talks about how Pakistan's exports crashed, how Pakistan's previous government recklessly took foreign loans, and how they spent far beyond the capacity of the Pakistani state to service these loans and to pay back these loans in the future. So, in चीजों को देखते हुए हमारे पास ऐसी capacity नहीं थी कि हम बजाते खुद ये चीजें कर सकें। ठीक तो basically that was unavoidable। हमें जाना पड़ता है। He has a point, but I'm afraid such points don't really make a difference when it comes to public sentiment, and that is where the opposition is now going to try to fight its battle. What has the reaction been like in Pakistan? Has there been any reaction yet? The opposition has now confirmed that they are looking towards street agitation in the next few weeks or a couple of months. The central point, the core point in their agitation or campaign would be inflation across the country as a consequence of Imran Khan's agreement with the IMF. The only one point on which the government may have an advantage is that in the middle of Pakistan's scorching summer, perhaps many people would be discouraged from coming out on the streets, but we have to see. We have to see how trends unfold in the coming months. Stephanie, how closely is the international community watching the situation in Pakistan? What are their main concerns, if any? The international community wants to see Pakistan get serious about its economic reforms. It's not good for the region if they are unstable. And they really are putting on pressure for them to tackle terrorists operating on their soil. In February, there was a terrorist attack in India, which put renewed pressure on Pakistan to tackle extremist groups within its borders, which are a threat not only to a region, but to Pakistan itself. Pakistan is a country of 200 million people in a fast-growing region, but Pakistan has for so long squandered its potential. So the hope is now that this package could finally get it back on the right track. This is now, we can say, the 13th package since the 80s. The IMF says it's the 21st package since Pakistan joined the IMF. We've seen this before, and Pakistan hasn't had a good history of concluding these programs or sticking to the reforms that it needs. So people are hoping that this case will be different. People are cautiously optimistic, watching and waiting to see if the government has the strength to carry out the reforms. That was Jotsna Singh talking to Stephanie Finlay, the FT's South Asia correspondent, and Farhan Bukhari in Islamabad. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on the shocking truth about plastics in the world's oceans, Twitter chief Jack Dorsey's fitness regime, or the WhatsApp spyware hack, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.